Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. We're up to the people's. I'm getting some echo, Frank. Is that normal? Okay, it's gone there. Um, so uh, today I have a very special guest, uh, Thomas Russo from Patriot Front. Um, this is a very uh, interesting nationalist organization, very active, um, very large. And um, so uh, I just wanted to bring Thomas on to discuss a few recent uh, I issues and uh, some of the uh, demonstrations Patriot Front has been uh, successfully putting on. So, uh, uh, Thomas, I know you have something like a, like a statement, so um, I'll just give you the floor here. Sure thing. And I want to say once again, thank you for having me. It is always great to be on. I believe this is our third uh, third time uh, speaking in this format. Um, we're, we're just about keeping up with the annual appearances. We might have to crank up that frequency as we get more active and there's a lot more to talk about. But I was noticing before the uh, before the show started that there were some people asking questions about this sort of thing. And, uh, and I read something uh, or discussed something, some some basic uh, points and principles uh, on a similar, not similar interview, but of a similar subject last night. So I thought it would behoove me to um, to open up with uh, a series of uh, general statements about some of the things that have recently happened, because um, it's a part of the story. And we're going to be able to talk about the last three demonstrations which have occurred, and we're going to be able to speak about a lot of the recent activity. Um, but there was an underlying thread to all of these actions, and um, some people see it as something which is, you know, which is very negative. But um, when you connect it with the rest of the story, I think it actually becomes somewhat of a story of triumph and resilience. So, you know, I, I'll I'll start with a bit of a timeline, right? Uh, at at the Washington, D.C. march in early December, we were marching through the city and everything had gone according to plan. And as you saw in the video, the uh, the box trucks um, and other vehicles even were subject to attack. Um, and we became aware of some sort of foul play. Um, and uh, we became aware that there was some sort of issue at hand. And the immediate concern was people's safety. We wanted to make sure everybody was safe and the action could be completed cleanly. That means everybody gets in, everybody gets out. And we had started to know uh, quite a deal of information about the actual culprit and the source of the issues before we even left the city. Before I even left that point on the on the street side, we were getting into the box trucks. And then we conducted a series of investigation sweeps and audits of our system, digital, physical, etc. Um, and we noticed that there was evidence of some sort of hack that had gone on. This wasn't a standard leak. You know, this was a hack. Um, and we were able to then um, set people to task, to lock out, to shut out, and to ban um, these people, even as they tried to break back in. Um, you know, what happened wasn't, you know, necessarily some mastermind of, uh, of you know, of, you know, maliciousness, but, you know, it was, it was something we had little experience with prior, but we, we caught on very quickly and we learned very quickly from, uh, from any mistakes. And, uh, you know, I think that it's very valiant of our of our men who helped uh, restore our security in this because they were fighting to protect their brothers. Um, they were fighting for a cause that they believed was just and they were doing it so together. Whereas these other individuals, you know, these opposition members, anarchists, communists, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, were simply trying to intimidate us, to harass us and to try to make 
the rest of the world more like them, you know, cowardly, insolent, and obscene. And as a result of this, this, uh, this breach that they were able to briefly pry open, um, they were able to glean our attendance at these two March for Life events happening in Washington, D.C. and Chicago, respectively. Um, and even with weeks of planning, um, you know, setting out notices and calls to action, etc., on Twitter saying, alerta, alerta, um, they were only able to arrange maybe a dozen, maybe, maybe 20 or more people to scream at us impotently in both cities. We arrived completely without their knowing at various places, um, and we left completely unharmed, right? They were... You know they were being vulgar. They were they were displaying their gluttony um, and wrathful insanity, um, and it, I believe that made the difference between us all the clearer. Most importantly, to the marchers themselves, who uh, or the the marchers themselves at these March for Life events, who saw us contrasted against these you know disgusting representations of uh, of an affliction more than an ideology, and. You know, in D.C., that was especially relevant because as we arrived on the ground, all of these uh, these people, if you could call them that, uh, came around us. And then when we left the space of the march, they left with us. So we ended up drawing them all away. Um, you know, and there were some concerns about people's information and everything to, you know, and uh, everything of that nature. And, I, uh, you know, people were saying... Uh, you know, some, some, there was some misinformation swirling around, and I'd like to clear the air and say that this wasn't anything that was centrally, um, centrally collected. These were, this was not some database of, of information. This wasn't something which was mandated by the organization, nor would it ever be. Um, in fact, uh, you know, these were messages and, and private conversations that people were having with each other that were subject to risk. And uh, everything to do along the entire line, the progression of these events, has been strengthened, has been recast in steel. Um, and even people's conduct at the very end of the line has been rectified and amended to be even stronger. So, even with any issues and any concerns, any mistakes made, I have taken full responsibility without question, as I always do. I am responsible as I am accountable, and I have spent every moment of my time working to correct any wrongs and account for any mistakes, um, you know, with the lessons that we have learned quite difficultly. But we have learned them, and that is the important part. Um, you know, anybody who faced any unplanned expenses as a result of, uh, of you know, the, uh, the, you know, the assailants and such like that um, have been fully compensated with fundraisers. And we've really banded together, um, you know, both people in and outside of the organization without going into, into too much detail have done a great deal of, uh, of help with that specific instance. And I have even thrown forward, um, you know, what little I have um you know, to help these individuals. And I think, uh, I think everybody in the organization has really stood up to the test of our trust in each other um, and our ability to work together because they do these things uh, to inspire paranoia and hysteria, right? They want you to be afraid. They want you to be, you know, they want you to be like them. They want you to be broken and insane. And we have responded with certainty. We have responded with trust in each other and we've responded with courage. And I believe it is a very important aspect of the story that permeates these last few months. And I think, uh, I think it's going to be something very interesting as people see our work progress into the future. People who think that as a result of this, we are off the field, we're out of the question, we're out of the fight. That something like this may have been a killing blow to organizations in the past, uh, maybe even our organization in the past. 
but they gave us their best shot and we're still standing. And, you know, people may not believe me here tonight with what I'm saying verbally, with my rhetoric. That might not be enough to explain it. But I'm not the only one saying this. At least I'm not the only one acting upon it. And all of the men are steadfast, all of them are courageous, and all of them are more motivated than ever to enact revenge by means of their tenacity. We seek to disprove and invalidate everything they've tried to do to stop us, and we do that by adherence and motivation and relentless pursuit of our cause. So I wanted to get that out of the way, um, and I'm sure there might be some questions which we can do later on um, in the show that might go into some more details and specifics of that, and I will be more than happy to answer them, provided they are made uh, with at least some semblance of a uh, of, uh, reason in mind. But uh, I hand it back to you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from my knowledge of Patriot Front, um, you guys uh, are not exactly squishy. So um, uh, I noticed there's a ton of pressure on you from all sides. Um, a lot of it is very um, dubious. For example, uh, on the left, obviously, you have anarchists that are doing all kinds of, frankly, illegal things. Sure. And then, uh, and then on the other side... You have the phony right calling you a Fed, calling Patriot Front guys FBI agents. Um, that, in my opinion, is uh, malicious. It's not ignorance. That is something they are coordinating. Um, I, I'll say this. Uh, I've met Thomas a few times, and he did not have a rainbow dildo holstered, nor did a 12-year-old Cambodian fall out of his jacket. So he is not an FBI agent. I'm very happy you cleared the rumors regarding those things. I was I was getting worried. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's all nonsense. And uh, and the fact that you guys just tune it out and you keep pushing forward is uh, very impressive because other group there are other groups out there that are a little more um, casual, let's say, that would have been destroyed by the types of uh, challenges you guys have faced. But you guys seem to be sticking together and you understand and trust each other so it seems like you're just shaking this off right yeah and i think i think this is a big lesson in um you know the the value of having a certain sense of professionality and also understanding the scope of what we do um our cause is so much bigger than these little contemporary uh you know circumstantial setbacks or challenges um you know, what we are fighting against is the destruction of our nation and the erasure from all, you know, history, everything that our people have built, you know, since they landed in this continent, since they, um, you know, first began to exercise and embody this culture. Um, and with that as the alternative, fighting and go and, you know, laboring onward becomes a very easy conclusion to make. It's not you know these the you know the the alternative of uh, of stepping back stepping down turning around um you know that's that's just not an option and you get you begin to realize that a lot of the stuff you know the screeching and stuff like that it's inconsequential you know twitter isn't real life and you know these people can you know have however many you know number of retweets and and you know and oh exposed gotcha you know this is the end statements on twitter but um you know, outside of that, outside of these news articles, it's not the real world. It's not actually how things work. And people, as long as people don't believe it, and they don't, trust me. Um, yeah, they you know, don't. They're just Including they're screaming the into saying, the void. People, the people saying Patriot Front or Feds don't believe that either. 
they're lying. And there's clearly some hidden politics behind them lying about that. I, I'm not quite sure what, what it is. But my impression is that they want to isolate you guys from their audience. And the only they can't do it ideologically because, uh, you know, the ideology on this side of the fence is far more appealing and interesting than anything the Gateway Pundit is putting out. So the only way they can uh, kind of cling to their audience and cling to their supporters is essentially by defaming everyone to their right. Uh, because it's not just Patriot Front. They call... Uh, the National Justice Party, they call us feds, okay, as if like, okay, think about it logically. The feds are telling you to what? Uh, obey the law? Uh, I mean, I've seen you guys show, like, amazing restraint when you're out and about. Like, you guys are painstakingly law-abiding. You don't look for trouble. You actually don't announce your protests and events in advance. Uh, likely because you don't want to cause, uh, you know, commotion. Because remember, the anarchists are the ones that start the violence. We don't start the violence. The anarchists are the the, the, the factor, the catalyst for all violence. So um, if you don't have them around, there's no violence. People engage in their First Amendment rights and they go home. Um, so you guys seem to have all that um, tied, uh, wound up and, uh, you know, again, the, the, the point of the FBI isn't to make a, a conservative look straight and, uh, what, quote, racist. That's their complaint. They say, oh, the FBI pays these people to make us look racist. <laughs> but in reality, for example, you guys were um, attending the March for Life. Like, what, what was the actual reason for that? Because my impression was that you were there to protect the, the Christian demonstrators from anarchists that were planning to attack them is that not is that am i mistaken in that or what uh, to to a degree yes um and, and i'll and i'll touch on a few other of the things that you said it it was very interesting to see how coordinated you know you had all these big conservatives coming out at very similar time frames and saying very similar arguments silly things um you know saying that uh we are invalid because of these tiny circumstantial irrelevant um, pieces of information that were oftentimes not even true. And, I, and I'm and i not one to allege the feds thing in response because I feel like that's a little bit too much in a lot of cases. Yeah. But I, I certainly think at the very least they were talking to each other, if not being coordinated from further above. And um, they, they made some sort of consensus that, you know, conservative, you know, Con Inc. has to protect itself from this, you know, new, you know, burgeoning nationalist movement by calling it out in this particular way. That was the that was the rhetoric that they concluded on. And um, and yeah, when well, we go out, yeah. go. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I talked to some uh, I have some contacts that are at least adjacent to some of these conservatives. And I told them, I'm like, you know, if you want to dispel the, the rumor that Patriot Front are feds, I can get you in touch with Thomas Russo and you can talk to him on your show or, or, or have him on your program, your radio program, your podcast, your website, whatever. And you can you can see for yourself if he's if he's a fed or not. It's not like, you know, these are like mystery people or whatever. These are real people. Um, and every single one of them turned down my offer. So. They're willfully ignorant at the most charitable, and they're just making that up to be malicious at the least charitable.
Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's surprising, and you know, I think they a lot of people want us to be something that we're not. Whether it's the opposition to the media, you know, they want to portray us. You know, like you said, you know, the anarchists are the the nexus point of these, you know, these crazed, violent instances. Um, you know, and when in our work has proven, you know, in our DC march, um, before the cops were, you know, screening on us on all sides and everything to do with that, um, we marched completely peacefully through a crowd of of maybe a couple hundred, um, you know, pedestrians and, and tourists um, surrounding the Lincoln Monument, and nobody got into any issues. There was one homeless man who came up, and he he, you know, obviously he ran out in front of us and charged us, and then he was just just pushed out of the way. He didn't. He wasn't even knocked on the ground. You know, it's very obvious that we don't come to these cities looking for a fight. Um, you know, and the, and the police even at a certain point have to acknowledge that, even if they would much rather that we did, because it would make their job easier. But their job is not necessarily to stop violence or to stop attacks; it's to protect the interests of the state. Um, and and you know, oftentimes preventing some massive brawl coincides with that. But whenever they have an opportunity to uh, to further the interests of the state by you know. By uh, you know taking down potentially um, you know revolutionary groups like ours, they they try to do so like they did in Philadelphia. Um, you know yes. our goal isn't our goal isn't to fight. You know um, you know we we defend ourselves in the in the most the most strict sense, right? And that doesn't mean you know punching back and pushing back in def- in defense, but we defend ourselves by making sure that they can they can wail all they want but they're you know they're going to be bloodying their fists on a wall of steel and nothing will be given back to them um you know and and that kind of yeah go ahead go ahead well um again i I noticed uh you know you've been around for a while too i noticed that probably charlottesville was the turning point where it, it, it kind of boggles the mind unless you understand how power works in this country but uh, basically, when you get when you do the right thing and you get a permit and you tell the police exactly try to coordinate with the police to have a permitted rally, um, the police do everything in their power to turn your rally into a violent riot. So what I mean by that is the police will on purpose plan your rally so that you will clash with the opposing anarchist type groups. Um, and, and, it, and, it, and then what happens is that then the FBI comes in and they only arrest one side. OK, uh, take, for example, Charlottesville. You know, there's a couple of guys that got uh, federal charges for simply defending themselves in the most basic way with their hands. Uh, meanwhile, the black guy that was standing outside of the entrance or the exit of the park with a flamethrower trying to burn people. Yeah. He didn't he didn't suffer any problems. He got, I think, a day in jail that and that was suspended. Well, I got that uh, for a sticker. Right. Exactly. So you 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 understand, too, that um, the police are there to f- fuck with you, too. This is another kind of Antifa. Yeah. Um, and so when you th- this is this is the problem with this country is that when you try to do things the right way, according to the law, you always end up regretting it in the sense that. You, you, you get a permit, you try to get a designated area, you just want to stand with your sign and say what you got to say, and the police always work to make sure you can't exercise your rights. Yeah, I've noticed and- that it wasn't like that before. It started at Charlottesville, but then it really became universal after Charlottesville, where every rally 
turned into a shit show, not because uh, not because of anything we were doing, but because the other side was being enabled by the police who were orchestrating fights between the two sides. Okay. Yeah, and the and you know especially when when you see police you know try to get in and plan people's rally you know set you set them up for failure right, right. Um, you know you see that uh, and and this is something that this leads back into your question about why we were at the March for Life events um, because last year especially in Chicago um, the city government uh, of Chicago I presume denied them their permit because they wanted to go through all of the official channels they wanted to get a permit um, to do all these sorts of things and if you're going to you know take up that much space maybe you need one you, you usually don't but they wanted to go through all the proper channels the city said no they, they want to say how do we do this what can we do and the city said no 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 you can't do it even though you know they said the city is on lockdown you can't have groups of more than whatever but but when we marched through the city was crowded there were people in all the streets all over the place it was completely um you know they were discriminated against because they think that murdering children is wrong um you know but uh but when we when we marched through the city last year um you know we showed them because they had a caravan that was driving through through the city and, and they they we crossed paths and you know they were honking and waving and shaking their signs and stuff like that and i think that showed them that you know that even if they say no with your permit and with your you know formal processes you can just take to the streets you right. can just take to the streets um and you know especially if you're coordinated with how you do so um and you uh, occupy that kind of restraint um, you can be a bigger problem to the police if they try to, you know, do any of that funny business than you can if they just let you go along your way. And um, I think that's something that we've seen, you know, because we are so difficult to trap and to coerce um, and to, you know, be, be fooled in these ways. You know, the police know that, um, that, you know, it would be such a huge task to try to, you know, use their usual tricks that that their choice is just one of uh, of easiness, right? Their choice is just one of, well, I'm going to get my overtime and then I'm going to go back home, um, you know, to yell at my wife or something like that. And, uh, and, and they choose the easier option because these are not men of action. These are not men of courage. Um, and they're not fighting for anything in particular, right? They're, right. they're, you know, they're, they're, they're bullies with badges, um, you know, and, and they choose the easier option when it's that much easier than the alternative. And we make sure it's always right there in front of them. The easiest option is to let us do our thing. Um, so why, why did we go to the March for Life events this year? Last year, we, um, we protested their cancellation. The year before that, we were able to more directly um, protest their opposition, at least in Chicago. D.C. usually doesn't have much. Um, but this year, I felt it was important um, one, because it, it was it was publicly acknowledged that we would be there. And I wanted to make sure people knew that even if, you know, we don't pre-announce our things, we don't do that. But even if that does happen, I want people to know that we're not going to suddenly, um, you know, we're not going to turn tail, right? If we say we're going to be somewhere... Um, and, you know, we are going to do that. Now, of course, we're going to be dynamic. We're going to we're going to occupy our own space. We're going to plan in our own way. We're not going to be predictable, but we can be present. And uh, and we were you know, we were somewhat honor bound to to attend in that way. And we'd been doing it for years already. Um, and the only the only fact of the matter was exactly how, um, right. you know, and we di we did, um, you know, we did draw a lot of the ire um, of the opposition away 
from these uh, these pro-life rallies. Um, and we got some we got some ire delivered to us from, you know, some of these uh, pro-lifers as well, but more so because I just don't think they understand. And and the, the biggest argument, you know, to some people say, well, why why did you do this? Why did you do that? Um, these these actions, you know, these pro-life events have a radical opposition, right? They have anarchists screaming there for murder. Um, you know, they are they are waving around effigies of dead babies. Um, you know, they are they are promoting cannibalism and you know violence and all these sorts of things. I'm not exaggerating on any of those points, by the way. I have pictorial evidence. Um, <laughs> and and so these these events have a radical op- opposition. They should also have a radical support. Um, and I believe we are a necessary counterbalance. And it's also a factor of, you know, the the modern political landscape is different, right? This isn't, you know, this isn't 2015 anymore um, where you can get along with having a very basic, um, you know, a very basic one issue, you know, one issue activism group, right? Patriot Front is a part of a political landscape and you can like us or you can not like us, but we are there and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Um, and you have to we have to be acknowledged. We are a legitimate part of the political landscape, just as much as these crazy people on the other end. Well, maybe a little bit more legitimate, I would say, but we are present and, and we are, you know, impossible to ignore. And that's something that I think everybody on the field understood that from the cops to the pro-lifers to the anarchists, everybody in between. Yeah, well, I, I would I would make the argument that the handful of people at that uh, March for Life that were complaining about you are themselves uh paid operatives of the GOP. Um, The issue I have with things like March for Life isn't necessarily that, um, personally, like I have much of a disagreement with, although I do disagree with some some of the things they're for, but my main issue is that uh, it's always littered with kind of uh, conservative ink minders, if you know what I mean? Like those things. So the, the, the audience would be completely open to our message, which is why these kinds of uh, demonstrations are full of minders. They're full of, of people that are institutional Republican activists who, uh, frankly, prefer communism. They prefer Antifa over nationalism. I will go to the grave with that, that professional conservatives prefer Antifa running the streets over nationalists having some representation in the government. Sure. Yeah. I think if they had to choose that, that's the side they would fall on. Absolutely. Um, you know, and just as well, it's important for us to be present to provide an alternative because, you know, you know we are able to, um, you know, there, there, there may be these minders and there may be a lot of them, um, but there's never enough to make sure that people don't see us and what we do. Um, you know, we are youthful. We are loud. Um, you know, we are visually loud as well as, you know, loud in audio, um, you know, and there's a lot of young guys um, that see us and, um, you know, activism, one of the biggest things about activism is you can get a whole different kind of appeal um, than you do with other forms of advocacy. Um, because someone seeing you in person makes such a bigger imprint, you know, such a more, you know, vivid memory um you know, of your cause and of your work than many other things can. So I think, you know, in, you know, in-person activism and, and us being at these locations to give a physical presence um, and make a visual alternative, an example, right? Contrasting ourselves, but also comparing ourselves in ways that it's appropriate. Because, um, you know, we do have things in common, especially with the rank and file. You know, we do support the family structure. We do support, you know, the traditional ways that a lot of society has been arranged, you know, but we understand 
that we support these things as well as we support other things. We were there, um, you know, not uh, not just broadly for uh, for you know the right to life, although that is of course involved. We were there specifically to advocate for the nation's interest. You know, our nation, our people, as descended from the European, you know, pioneers and settlers and explorers. Um, you know, and we were there to make sure that our nation had its unique ethnic interest represented, just as we believe a government, um, you know, should be able to represent us uniquely as a unique heritage group. We were there to act that out in person. Right. I mean, the uh, it's, it's self-explanatory that it's completely rational and morally just for the European majority in America to have some kind of political representation. The fact that such an idea is attacked so aggressively. It really does show what the power dynamics in this country are. I mean, what what could possibly be the motive in browbeating, attacking, hacking, uh, trying to infiltrate, trying to, um, you know, terrorize, committing crimes against people that are simply trying to argue for the existence of the majority of this country? Other than the fact that we live under a system that is very clearly uh, anti-white, frankly, um, there's no there's no other explanation for it because you guys seriously don't do anything. You guys don't don't engage in any drama. That's what that's the main thing I like about Patriot Front is that you guys don't fucking go on the internet and engage retards and and drama queens and, and you know kind of feds possibly who knows what they are. You guys completely ignore them, and you just keep working. And that is a, an admirable quality, regardless of, of you know, whatever else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, do you, guys, do you guys keep a low profile online on purpose? Is that part of the strategy? Oh, uh, well, you know, there's, there's a lot you can say about it. Um, you know, for one, when you, you know, we don't do drama. I think it's, it's very silly. I'm Distraction. Alive. It is. And, you know, we do have you know various presence and we have a lot of our supporters, um, you know, as well as, uh, you know, even some members in, in you know, their own time um, engage with people positively in comment sections. But it's never just to argue because debating someone on the Internet is I don't know how more people haven't found this out yet, but just but you're, you're not going to settle anything in a comment section. Most times, you know, you're going to you're going to especially not if you're just throwing insults back and forth. And I, I try to caution guys away from that. Um, and even when we do those sorts of things, when we have guys who are, uh, you know, working to try to dispel some misinformation or clear some rumors that, you know, swirl around and, you know, online and spaces or on social media like Gab or, uh, you know, things like that. Um, you know, there's not even that many people doing it because the, t- the time that we could do that is time that we could spend working internally, working on our own structures, um, you know, and a lot of times, you know. You can say a lot, but, you know, sometimes people are just beyond persuasion, um, you know, and it's it's kind of like when we're in person. Right. Yeah. You know, when when we were in D.C. and there was this wall, um, you know, only actually, you know, in spite of how loud they were and how much, you know, coverage they got, there was only maybe a dozen, maybe 15 of them. There are more journalists than there were opposition. Um, and, you know, they're screaming, they're saying all sorts of things. And they do they're they're, they're trying to tailor their um you know, their, their little catchphrases and their pithy remarks to, to get a rise out of you. They're trying to get you to, to, right. to be angry and to start. They, they want to bring you down to that level. So you're bickering with them on the sidewalk about, you know, 
the color of your jacket or the way that you're standing or whatever. And I love it when they ask, why do you have shields? Why do you have shields? If anyone ever asks that question, the answer is you, right? <laughs> the answer is always the person who has to, feels the need to ask the question, someone like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, we don't respond with anything but chance because they are, you know, these individual atomized pieces of just virulent hatred. And we respond with coordinated, organized, uniform, you know, calls for strong families, for the reclamation of our nation, for life, liberty, and victory in response. And I, you know, I, there's there's not only um, you know a big difference there, but it's also a symbolic difference, um, you know, in the fact that even when we're not doing that, you know, just the fact that we can be silent, um, you know, almost eerily silent in the face of these things should should be a big indication to people that that's not what we're there to do, and that extends to the online space, you know, the right. sort of bickering and pettiness, um, you know, it's unproductive. And well, always it, always keep in mind that when you see uh, internet troll like really personalized internet trolling. Uh, it's either a tranny or uh, someone in the FBI. <laughs> right? Maybe both. Maybe or both. both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's like once you once you realize that because for a lot of people, especially older guys, like they'll see that and they'll just like the brain is is tuned to taking these things like they're real life, but actually it's just hyper reality. So um, it's not real. So why would you even dream? Yeah. So. Uh, Frank just put in the chat parts of the uh, the March for Life video preview um, if people want to see it. So, um, Frank, put it on the put it on. Worth hey. noting, Patriot may get cold feet and no show after the very recent identification of their regional director. You think they can harass us into staying home? No.
America. I'm a conservative. You guys are embarrassment conservatives. So, uh, great video, uh, fantastic work there. But uh, yeah, you can see the, uh, the the nerve of that bloated cuck going up to you. And go, You're an embarrassment to conservatives. Meanwhile, the uh, the typical kind of like officially sanctioned conservative rally features like open homosexual actors like dressed in Uncle Sam outfits, like going out and doing. You know, singing uh, versions of the village people like that's that's what conservative activism is. What what do you think drives the um, drives the fear of ideology? So what I mean by that, Thomas, is the th there is a certain type of of conservative that will say that having an ideology is uh, a kind of um, it's a handicap in politics. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's important to realize that conservatism and liberalism and all this stuff, are like, you know, like you said, they aren't actual ideologies. They're more, you know, modifying factors on whatever the current, uh, you know, the current movement of politics is. Whereas conservatives say go the go the same way, but slowly, and liberals say just go the same way as fast as they care to. Um, you know, whereas nationalism, you know, and patriotism is you know an anchor it is a centerpiece it is something which is perennial right that the that loyalty to the nation to the patrios to um you know to the ideal of your people and you know their culture and heritage and their ability to be represented by a legitimate governing body i.e not what we have today um you know and i think I think that's that scares a lot of conservatives that are invested in the status quo, um, you know, whether it's due to money or due to, you know, their audiences. You know, they want a lot of people on their uh, on their plantation, as it were. Um, you know, so I, th I think I think, you know, I think they're afraid of a lot of these things because it's a threat, because it's a threat to the way that things are. Um, yeah, because in order for, if people believe in a better and a future where things can actually change in a way that they haven't before, you know, something revolutionary. Um, then then conservatism is irrelevant it's not worth it's not worth any dime put into it and that makes a lot of people unemployed on their end well you know one thing i noticed too uh a kind of subtle change institutionally in america is the fact that the elites are no longer even patriotic in the kind of silly sense so what i mean by that is that uh, the kind of uh, flag waving and so on that that came after 9-11, which was, you know, misused and misdirected into neocon wars. That whole thing seems to be dead. There aren't really uh, people in our elite, in our intelligence services, in our uh, leading our military that 
feel particularly strongly about even the American flag. You'll notice that increasingly um, American embassies abroad will have the Black Lives Matter and gay flags side by side the American flag. So what I'm getting at here is that what's going to be the impact on this in, from, from the imperial perspective of our liberal elites that, you know, in my opinion, need that kind of phony patriotism that you saw after 9-11 to expand or protect the outer edges of the American empire. We see it in Ukraine. The problem is that most American elites, the people making American foreign policy, don't actually even care about the flag, don't care about, even pretend to care to like America, and then turn around and they're shocked when nobody wants to die for America. Uh, including people in these other countries. They don't want to fight for America either. America is not a compelling uh, idea anymore, and the elites and their kind of uh, drifting away from, from this kind of even civic patriotism seems to be playing a role in that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's really interesting to touch upon, you know, like you said, just how unpassionate these people are about anything in particular, you know, save for the most, you know, gluttonous examples of neoliberal excess, you know, like the, you know, their, their quote unquote pride flags and, you know, their BLM banners and things like that. And even with those, those things, it's even corporatized at that level. You know, you have, you have banks changing their corporate icons to these things, you know, for a month out of the year, you know, it's all very ceremonialized and corporate, you know, corporatized. Um, and I think that one of the biggest differences is uh, with, you know, the th- types of things that we do um, to that is, is, you know, it's a spiritual revolt, right? Not just a physical revolt where we're doing things differently, but we have a certain passion. You know, we have a fire to what we do. We have an, I- we have an idealistic belief in our cause that is something that they cannot even they can't relate to they can't imagine what that feels like these are husks of people that are keeping the current you know the current system going the machines chugging along just barely just enough to keep everybody as scared enough to stay in check um you know whereas what we do is based out of a real inspiration a real care a love for our cause a love for the fight a love to be in contest with evil right you know to to work and to struggle and to feel and to and, you know to go and be called to go further that is something we have that they cannot possibly understand yeah right and i find that um as as the the uh the, the there really isn't a buy in for the current status quo and so they see the system seems to rely more and more on dirty tricks and just naked oppression hard power right so putting people in jail, suing people, terrorizing people, taking away their rations card, which is what the Soviets did, essentially taking their jobs away. Um, And so the the reliance on soft power, if you study history, uh, over-reliance on soft power is usually something that elites do when they fear their power is slipping and their system no longer has uh, public confidence. Um, So... What, what do you think about some of these things going on right now, like um, um, in terms of the, um, for example, immigration, how immigration is changing, the nature of immigration is changing. And I, I wrote about this on my telegram where I said uh, the first wave of illegal immigrants came from Mexico. 
And then the next wave came from Mesoamerica, right? Uh, Honduras, um, Guatemala, and so on. Mm -hmm. Now the immigration seems to be coming from Haiti, <laughs> the, the illegal immigration. Like there's 50,000 Haitians trying to get into America. Like what – what do you think is what do you think is dry? Why, why is legal immigration getting bl blacker and blacker? And also, uh, do you think that uh, the, the 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 decline in living standards in the United States is playing a role in this? Could could these illegal aliens that live in our country simply go back home because America sucks? I mean, that, that, yeah. I mean that's that's actually a big. I, I was actually I, I'm not uh, personally a big a big news guy. I try to I try to you know um you know keep keep from you know too much of a of a daily scroll on social media and all the news articles and seeing like that. So I actually wasn't really aware of the uh, the change in immigration. I I just view it all as bad. Um, yeah. But uh, no, that is very interesting. And I think I think your assessment that um as the living standards and the social stability of the United States declines, they need to they. They need to keep up the influx, right? Because if people stop coming in, if there stops being, you know, a new fresh crop of exploitable, cheap, you know, labor or social capital to swing around for the sake of neoliberalism, then, you know, then the machines of, of like their societal decay run out of fuel. Um, so I think, yeah, they probably will have to, if they're not already doing it, as you stated, have to go further and further to more and more foreign and, you know, despotic places to find this new crop of, uh, you know, exploited, you know, you know, labor or, you know, social capital. Um, and, uh, right. yeah, and I, and I think, I think, you know, it, like you said, they they have an over-reliance on the methods of power they're using. Um, so as they as they do more and more, every single measure they use to sustain their power undermines the core thing, the, the core source from which all power is derived, which is the belief in the government's legitimacy as a governing body. Um, right. And and the tools they're using to sustain that are themselves deteriorating. It you know it, it's like a you know they're like a junkie, right? They're they're it's it's only the next high, it's only the next ability to shore up anything without any larger or longer you know um, thought process into the future. You know they're addicted to what they've become, and, yeah. uh, and I, it, I see that I see that happening in real time. I mean, you, you see the kind of overreach of of the FBI, for example, in the uh, Michigan militia case where the lawyers in that case have pretty much discredited the entire FBI and Department of Justice uh, throughout that uh, entire procedure, procedural uh, uh, trial procedure. For example, they, they, the, uh, the three lead FBI agents in the case, uh, one of them was found to be privately making money from their personal company during the case using services from their personal company in pursuit of this phony investigation. Another one got uh, got in trouble, got arrested for brutally beating his wife after a cuck party, after watching other men have sex with his wife, he beat her. Um, and then uh, the third FBI agent was outed as a perjurer. So things like this, the, the, kind, of, um, the kind of stuff going on in that case, people are seeing this. And uh, increasingly, you, you see things like the FBI starting, the Department of Justice starting a uh, domestic terrorism department at the FBI. And, and, and what, what's so remarkable about this is that the number one issue people have right now is crime, right? Now, you tell me, 
Tommy, uh, is mm -hmm. Patriot Front behind the rise in homicides and mass shootings going on in this country right now? Well, like I can't uh, attest to the exact percentage at which it might be different, but I would say our, our, we have a zero percent contribution. There you go. You, you'd have to check with the anarchists in D.C. They had a, they had signs saying "Patriot Front murders people," and uh, <laughs> I guess I guess if we do, I've never heard anything about it, which would be pretty surprising. Um, but you know, they, they're just going to the most shock value thing to try to discredit us. But yeah, I think I think it is is hysterical the priorities that you know law enforcement in the country has, and just how um, you know just how off the market is. Yeah, I mean. It's very obvious that their motives are purely political. And um, when you get to the point where even, you know, various Jewish liberals like Bill Maher are complaining about the crime rate, then you start to realize that the tides are turning even inside the elite against these bad priorities that they have. So they're spending billions of dollars on, quote, counterterrorism. While, which, which in, in truth means, you know, harassing, harassing whites engaging in their First Amendment rights, uh, and then uh, turning around and doing nothing about the actual spike in crime going on, where uh, a number of American cities are simply unlivable. San Francisco, one of the most expensive cities in the country, uh, is, is, is a, essentially Haiti. It's essentially operating under the same uh, kind of standards that Haiti operates under. Perhaps there's more control of, of, of crime in Haiti. So people are seeing this, and this goes back to the immigration thing where uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, looking at um, some of Matt Parrott's predictions from 2019 where he's talking about Mexidus, where like all these illegal Mexicans are just going to, go back to their country because America is too dangerous and, and expensive. So, like, you know, it could be uh, very interesting to see how America proceeds as the empire collapses. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that you kind of touched upon the, uh, you know, the notion of terrorism, that the, that all of these government entities, um, you know, in the billions of billions of dollars, tens of billions maybe, um, you know, are formed with the, with the motive of fighting terrorism right but i think you know the, the word terrorism is often without any sort of actual definition in their space and i think they like it that way right they make it vague it can apply to 70 million americans if they want it but i think the true terror that people are living through comes from you know this fear of you know gangs and communities turning to ruin right that the fact that even if something dangerous um is going to happen to you the only people that you could reach out to you know outside of each other um are spiteful and unhelpful police that just are there to collect a paycheck and watch you bleed out um, yeah you know and but they love the idea of, you know, the, the crazy, the lone gunman who's going to go shoot up a shopping mall or going to go kidnap a government official. Um, and they like that so much that they actually incite it, right? They, they plan, they push those people along because they like that idea of terrorism because it justifies these massive industrial complexes for fighting ghosts, right? right. So these people can, can further ride out this, you know, social decay with their golden parachutes, right? Um, and, and that's an, that's an outdated definition. You know, like you said, the um, 
the whole uh, the, the idea the, the patriotism or if you could call it that as a result of 9/11 was misused and misdirected to create this vast apparatus for fighting a figment of terrorism or you know the idea of terror which is it, that's an old definition that's obsolete that's not the case you know the terror is now coming from the FBI the terror is right. coming from the government because they want people to live in fear because they want you to be more afraid of anything but the government because once right. once people stand up and organize and say you know what you know what i'm not afraid of the consequences of standing up and opposing the government and opposing you know their denizens out in the streets that's that's when the legitimacy runs out that's when these measures are at an end that's when people you know when some civil disobedience can go a long way yeah you know i i remember seeing um a congressional hearing where they had um people at the department of justice i think it i forgot his name but they had someone that was in charge of the counterterrorism desk and there was a congresswoman that I her name escapes me. All these Congress people, there there's so many of them, and none of them matter. But um, her name escapes me. But she was a she's a Polish immigrant, and she was the only one that asked the the, the people that were uh, in the stands uh, that were being questioned. She's the only one that asked an interesting question. The other ones all were were, were talking about retarded stuff. But she asked a very uh, powerful and interesting question, which is that. When she lived in Poland, she remembers the United States um, condemning Soviet and uh, communist government laws, domestic terrorism laws in Poland that were simply an excuse to set up and railroad dissidents. So people have to understand that um, this style of oppression is universal. Every system that feels like it's being pressured or is weak or fragile will react in the same way. Uh, so my my question to you is how how much do, do you think that America could have like a Soviet style collapse in the next 10 or 15 years even? Because it does feel that way, doesn't it? Sure. And, I, and you can definitely draw the parallels, right? There's a lot of things that are in common, um, you know, and there's also a lot of differences. And it would be, you know, it'd be important to remember those. I have always been one to be very careful about specific future predictions. And I, I do think, you know, a, there's been there have been a lot of unprecedented things which have happened in the past few years, um, you know, and there's been a lot of turning points. And in a lot of cases, as far as the stability and longevity of the United States is concerned, those th th that's always been a turn for the worse, a turn for the more unstable, a turn for the less legitimate and the more tyrannical. Right. As you said, every regime that has these issues you know, employs the same basic principles to sustain them. And it, it universally doesn't work. Tyranny wears the same face, even if the tools are new. Um, so could something like that happen? I, it, it's, it's very possible. It's even plausible that there's going to be some big change. You know, America existed before the United States and America has to outlive the United States. Um, but exactly what could happen, you know, that's a big, that's a big matter of question because, um, you know, whenever you have a vast, um, you know, global hegemon superpower like you have in the United States, and then that position is threatened or even, um, you know, exchanged, toppled, right, by a series or a different power, 
um, you know, it's it's very it's very unique because just as much as you have to you know encounter and factor in uh, domestic forces, there's also the rest of the world. And as right. you know, as as the you know the imperialistic uh, projection, you know, power projection comes under threat, the rest of the world now has a say, um, and that could be something which is very uh, very interesting and changes the game a whole lot. Right. You know, one thing that I was kind of uh, speculating on is that once the U.S. empire, once Washington is forced to retreat from the global stage, that it will, in Europe, for example, lift the taboo on, say, discussing race in a frank and open way, right? That's very taboo in Europe, but a big reason for that is that the United States essentially dictates European internal policies through its military presence in Europe and through the dollar as the world reserve currency. So these countries are very frightened of, of not just being invaded by America, which wouldn't take a lot since America has a strong military presence all over Europe, but also uh, being having their, their economies collapse through uh, deplatforming from the SWIFT or <clears throat> sanctions and so on. So, uh, a lot of these, a lot of these irrational things come from U.S. power. So, how do we, as as nationalists in the United States, we're we're kind of in a in an awkward place, aren't we, when it comes to this kind of stuff? In that, the people in Washington are our greatest oppressors and and destroying our country. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, there there are some patriotic people that see a taboo. In perhaps not rooting, but you know, not exactly being offended at America's withdrawal from the world, right? Yeah, and I, that that's a very big, you know, it's a distinction that you need to to get a lot of people to the understanding of that be being anti-government, anti, you know, anti, you know, United States does not mean that you're anti-America because America is the people. We are America, you know, the flesh and the blood, um, right. you know, th what their theirs is of ink. Ours is of blood, right? They are they are documents and money and systems and institutions. And we are culture and heritage and sovereignty and liberty, um, you know, so. That's that. That's why we are so uh, so commonly saying, you know, for the nation against the state. Um, that's why we use the 13 star flag because it predates the United States. Um, and you know, if we can get the people who you know would would place their patriotism into the government to instead place that into the nation, uh, you know, the nation as it is opposed to the government. If we can separate, and, and uh, you know, we don't actually need to separate the nation and the state. They've done that for us, right? right. They they have they have taken the government's interests and drawn them so far away from the actual interests of our people. What keeps our communities safe? What allows our families to grow and to prosper? Our youth to pursue healthy lives, right? They've they've already gone so far away. But they've disguised their tracks in doing so. So all that all that our job is left with is drawing attention to the distance that has that has grown in between our interests as a people, as a unique people on this earth, from the government's interests as a tyrannical, socially decaying entity. Um, you know, and I think, you know, once people see that distance, patriotism is going to look a lot more like Patriot Front's patriotism proper. 
patriotism real patriotism in that it is, you know, it is in favor of a government, a strong government, but not this government. You know, we are against the state. We're not against a state. In fact, we're much for a proper, legitimate, you know, sovereign state. But we are virulently against this state as it stands in corruption and tyranny, um, you know, and in this self-unsustaining, you know, downward spiral. Yeah, I— I would po- I would uh, point you to uh, the Princeton study that came out last year, which found that the opinions of the average American have no statistically relevant impact on public policy. Hmm. So the government does not. So I could read you some quotes from it. It says here. So this is a, a study by Martin Gillens and Benjamin Page at Princeton and Northwestern Universities. Um, and they set out to answer, who really rules in America? Here's some quotes. When the preferences of economic elites and the stands of organized interest groups are controlled for, the preference of the average American appear to have only a minuscule, near zero, statistically non-significant impact upon public policy. To be sure, this does not mean that ordinary citizens always lose out. They fairly often get the policies they favor, but only because those policies happen also to be preferred by the economically elite citizens who wield the actual influence. The net alignments of the most influential business-oriented groups are negatively related to the average citizen's wishes. So existing interest groups who do not serve effectively as transmission belts for the wishes of the population as a whole. And then the final statement, quote, in the United States, our findings indicate the majority does not rule, at least in the ca- in the causal sense of actually determining policy outcomes. When a majority of citizens disagrees with economic elites and or organized interests, they generally lose. Americans do enjoy many features central to democratic governance, such as regular elections, freedom of speech and association. I would highly disagree with that, but anyway, and a widespread franchise. But we believe that if policymaking is dominated by powerful business organizations and a small number of affluent affluent Americans, then America's claims to being a democratic society are seriously threatened. So this isn't us fringed dissenters saying this. This is uh, from the system's own think tanks and Mm -hmm. universities, Princeton, Northwestern. They are saying that the American people have no say over their government. Thus, the American system is illegitimate under its yeah. own metric. Yeah. No, and it's really interesting to uh, it's really interesting to see that they they draw a claim to the how wide the franchise is, just how many people can vote, and just how regularly they get to vote. You know, um, but they draw that against you know just how you know there's regular elections without regular results and i think that's uh important to distinguish because in the process of expanding the franchise in the process of you know drawing the you know drawing up this big uh this big idea of luxurious democracy 
um, you know, maybe democracy existed for a time. You know, you had a you had a republic originally with a restricted franchise, um, and you know, with a with a strong governing uh, governing class of people who were a little bit more capable than a lot of others. Um, and then you know, you turned this republic into a you know a democracy, which maybe existed you know for a very brief window of time before it was immediately swallowed by this plutocracy, by this oligarchy, um, you know, where, you know, I think they said it themselves that it's ruled by a, a series of small organized interests, um, you know, and that that's just the story with democracy. You know, you have wide franchise, but no impact, nothing for all the nothing for them to do with with the, the millions and millions of votes that they can pour into the ballots because, you know, it's a shredder. Right. It doesn't it doesn't that that's not where it comes into play. And people. You know, and you know, it's 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 unlikely that this study is going to have a huge effect. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I that is interesting to see. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Um, at least that specific study. We are obviously aware of the uh, of the results of it. Um, you know, we feel them, we see them. But I think you know, people are going to see this one way or another as time goes on, and their response should be to begin to disregard and even disobey. Um, you know, government policies and practices, you know, their rhetoric and rules um, and everything they once relied upon the government for when it comes to their lives or, you know, their um, their well-being, they should instead turn to each other to find. Right. And right. that in and, you know, once once that happens, you know, you are looking at a sort of a do or die moment for the government where they're going to have to decide, you know, are we going to, you know, go full full out and just try to destroy everyone who wants to seek a healthy life away from us? Or are they going to uh, are they even going to have the ability to do so at that point? Right. Um, you know, or, you know, or who knows, may, maybe uh, maybe at that point, you know, enough people will be ousted, um, you know, in a, in a in a proper sense. Um, you know, in a, in a peaceful sense, I might add. And then maybe, you know, because because underneath underneath all the bureaucracy and underneath all of the, um, you know, the corruption, there is there is a there is a dormant skeleton, a basic form of a system which can work. Right. right. You know, something deep down there is there. And if, and if you were just able to to just scrape off you know, this this massive, you know, take a proverbial power washer to it, you know, and, and drastically reorient things. You know, there's there's a there's something there worth keeping. It's just you're you're going to have to do some digging. And I think we're well prepared for that in the years to come. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been following um, some uh, economic data lately and uh, you'll see that the uh, they're, they're in quite a bind because the. Uh, the government and the not, not really the government, the, the high fi high finance that plans the American economy, have spent uh, over a decade creating these kinds of trillion dollar bubbles, credit bubbles, and just general bubbles. And now they're in a situation where the bubble needs to pop. They need to raise the interest rates, and uh, that's inevitably going to cause a, an economic crisis. So. What's going to happen at that point when you have all these problems that the American system, the liberal system, lets you pay your way out of? So uh, if you live in a neighborhood full of too much diversity and the schools are unusable, you can take up a second job and move out to, uh, to the country or even a suburb and uh, pay for a private school for your kids or whatever. So you can do that. But 
once the uh, once the, the capitals crisis or uh, finance crisis hits, that's going to become very difficult, and people will no longer be able. The middle class will no longer be able to escape these contradictions in society. So I'm I'm saying that this is going to be a, however politicized the people are now, and they are, they're going to get far more focused and far more politicized when this economic meltdown inevitably comes, won't they? Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I touched on this in one of my speeches, and I was reminded by, you know, when I said that, uh, you know, it, it, it is, um, you know, it, it is high time that a lot of these people who, like you said, they have bought their way out of the crisis, you know, they have they have paid their way um, to be able to ignore these problems, not to not to solve them, not to even acknowledge them, but to ignore them. They have they have paid their way out of these struggles. Um, and, um, you know, money, you know, the money is is the biggest thing that separates people. So that could be um, that could be one of the biggest things which brings uh, brings all those people back down to the level of everyone else who they've been very happy to ignore. And once they are down to that level and they get to experience everything as we do, um, maybe we'll see how they like it. Right. Let's see right. how they like the world. They the world they've created. Now you get to live in it. Right. Well, the, the actual elites are going to be fine. I think what's sure. going to change is the white collaborators. Mm -hmm. The white, the white traders, the upper middle class, the bourgeois types, who um, essentially hold this system up on the street level, perhaps the medium level, uh, as a way to continue bankrolling their lifestyle and their uh, their general well, their personal well being. Um, a lot of them are going to lose that if there is an economic meltdown. So, pretty much. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen when, when that occurs, but um, there's only one way to go, and it's up for yeah, our for our political movement. Um, again, no one actually agrees with the way things are being run. The only thing stopping people from getting politically organized is the prospect of losing your job, uh, but also possibly being harassed by secret police, uh, being physically assaulted by anarchist paramilitary groups. These are the types of things that keep people from getting politicized that once the economic incentive to stay silent isn't there anymore, they're going to join up with us. Um, it's just a matter of destiny and fate. So um, anyway, uh, do you have uh, anything, anything else on your plate here? Uh, no, I, I think that um, I think, I think you've summed it up very well that it is it is inevitable that change will come and we're no longer debating whether or not, you know, this the system and, and the way that things are is coming to a close. We are simply debating and we're not even go, we're debating always what in what direction it will go. But we're you know, the only thing left and we've already made the resolution to change. We've made the resolution for action. Um, all that's left on, on the plate, as it were, is to decide exactly how to carry out that action and to uh, exact our true level of boldness and faith in our cause. Right, right. So, uh, so Frank, let's get started with some of the uh, with the chats. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's pound through these. Um, what do we got here? Uh, uh, hard look, hard look with uh, one Libra says hell victory, hell victory. Ah, thank you, hard look, and check his band out sometime. <laughs> 
There you go. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, INM donates three and says uh, Patriot Front is the model. Thomas needs to defend Patriot Front's reputation more actively in the online right community like his own personal channel on Telegram slash Gab to speak with other leaders uh, working with wider nationalist movements should be a goal. What is he doing to stop doxing in the future? And I, uh, you don't have to no, answer. No, no, no. I, I, can I, I think he did. Um, Not? You already answered well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so he said uh, I should be take a more active role. Um, I do. I do talk with a number of other uh, of other people, and I, you know, I, I keep my contacts. Uh, I I would be hesitant to have a channel of my own personal thing because I do try not to be so much of a figure or, or a, you know a celebrity because I'm not in this for that sort of thing. And most of the time, I wouldn't really have a whole lot to say because the or the organization I I use as my voice. Everything I would say, the organization can say better in unison. Um, and with uh, with new with you know things to to you know protect the security of membership and things like that. That is always a very high priority. Um, and any any time that anything happens, we take it as a case study um, in what we can do better and what we can. Um, what we can evaluate and what we can say on top of, and certainly a lot is being done. A lot has already been done because um, even the information, you know, that some that was sometimes released was already um, upwards of a month or older at that time, which had already given us that amount of time to improve our methods, um, you know, behind the scenes. And of course, I can't discuss details in yeah. detail, mm -hmm. but we, you know, it, it, we are never idle when that is concerned. Yeah, and and also um, one thing you guys are doing right is you're letting your work speak for itself. That's the best way to attract serious people. If you're just online, constantly distracted, batting away bad faith people and uh, drama and garbage like that, uh, you will get distracted from your work. So you guys, I think, play it right by letting your, your actual activism speak for itself. Agree with yeah. it or not. That's that's their view on things. And if you don't like it, go ahead, go call them feds, go make things up about them or whatever. You're just not going to get a reaction and it's not going to be effective. So uh, pretty much that. Yeah. Well, none and of it. None of it has been effective so far in stopping us. So I, I like to think some of these more uh, these newer critics just getting into the scene. I wonder if they realize just how many better and more motivated critics we've survived over the years. You know, I, yeah. I don't think they're going to be the one, you know. Yeah, and and I and, and shame on any fucking people at the FBI paying people to do this. Like it's just pathetic. It really is. So uh, yeah, let's just move on. I mean, it's just laughable. You, this is the thing they don't understand that the kinds of things that worked on WN groups ten years ago don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't work because the quality of people in this thing is pretty high at this time. Now there are groups that have shitty people, no no doubt, but. You know, when uh, when when we're talking about groups like Patriot Front, when we're talking about groups like NJP and so on and other groups, uh, people in it are usually pretty intelligent and they're quality people and they're not uh, they're not going to like be influenced by any of that. So, I mean, it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of taxpayer time and money. Yeah. Um, no, they, they was, raise their attacks and we raise the bar. Right. We get better. There you go. Quicker there you than go. they do. Right, exactly. Anyway, next question. For sure. Uh, $5 from uh, Gus Faze. Uh, just giving this video some support. Keep up the good work. Everyone give some uh, upvotes, likes, fire, whatever that is for this mm -hmm. uh, stuff. So. Fire. Thank you, sir. Thank you. 
Um, Sir Spaghetti with uh, no comment but $10. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Nationalist Network uh, donates a $14.88. Um, will PF come to the West Coast or any major city in the Southwest region for demonstrations? Thank you, if TRS. We, if, yeah, sure. No, sorry. Sorry. Thank you, TRS, for the support over the years. And, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Uh, we, it, it could be very likely, even if we were or we will. Um, I couldn't tell you, but I will make make definite note to note that suggestion and see what I can do. No promises, though. But who knows? Who knows? It's going to be a long year, yeah. hopefully in a good way. Amen. Uh, all right. Uh, Tam, good old Tam boy with uh, 1488. Thank you, Tam. Thank you, Tam. Yes, sir. Um, uh, heretic, uh, what is this? Her heretical acts, uh, $25 and he says, a, so. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Um, um, not even, uh, something soul. I guess this is, uh, this is Borzoi, Chinese guy. Ah. Uh, 20, $25. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Oh, oh, what is, uh, what is this? Okay. We're going to jump to entropy real quick. Um. Um, and it's refreshing, really. Oh my god. Ooh. Okay, we'll jump back. Um, midterms. Every GOP candidate. This is from D Dam eight one four eight. Let me let me read through this real quick. Candidates will be warned. Okay, yeah. Midterms. Every GOP candidate will be a watered down caricature of uh, 2015 to 17 Trump and win due to the failure of their opposition. The Trumpian shift in political perception and the start of the mass political politization was good, but we need something new to avoid Trumpist realism. Thoughts on the midterms? Yeah, uh, I think everything's pointing to the Republicans winning in the midterms, at least getting, they're going to get the House back. They may get the Senate back. Um, with that said, I wouldn't put too much, uh, give too much attention to all these Trump impersonators that are popping up because people aren't really voting for them. They're voting for the, they're voting against the Democrat because they perceive Democrats as being pro-crime, uh, even though there's a lot of crime going on in red states. In fact, some of the most dangerous states in America are Republican run, at least uh, gubernatorially and in the state legislature level. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the way people perceive it is going to be the same. So, yes, I think that the GOP has a chance of doing well in the midterms. I wouldn't put invest too much into that. It's going to be more that Democrat voters aren't going to come out. Uh, to vote for their candidates, and uh, you just have to live with it. I mean, there's going to be Trump impersonators. I'm just not sure they can capture the lightning that Trump did on a national level. Like, can Ron DeSantis really pull it at, pull it out of his ass in uh, 2024? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I don't think Ron DeSantis is a com is a, a, a competitive candidate. Um, I think what you should look out for more is for people like a Matt Gates or someone like that who will actually put out kind of Eric Zemmour style talking points 
that appear to be somewhat like white nationalism, but aren't quite the same thing. Because what happens in those situations oftentimes is that people that are doing radical work, that are radical nationalists, building their own their own their own party, building their own platform, building their own movement, will often drop everything and join the uh, the group that's already prefabricated, right? Mm-hmm. So you're building this this great movement from scratch. It's hard work. Sometimes it can be thankless, but in the end, it pays off to have your own thing. Because you never know when the conservatives will throw you under the bus, and they will. Um, so my my biggest thing for people to look out for in the future is some kind of fake, <laughs> fake, frankly, pro-white candidate where you're going to start seeing uh, people saying like, well, I don't agree with his position on Israel, but, uh, you know, okay, sure, there's tons of pictures of this guy in a yarmulke signing laws in Israel, but uh, he's saying some base things. He kind of... Seems like he's the same as us. So uh, I'm just going to go full in, do a cannonball into this this pool that this guy has set up with a big invitation for me. And uh, and then I'm just going to not do anything else. Then I'm going to get demoralized and quit politics when he he, (laughs) he eventually, you know, isn't what you're looking for. So, again, my main thing to say about that is just because something kind of looks like it's the same doesn't mean it is. Okay, just keep that in mind. That was a great impression, Striker. I thought someone else had just joined us. Uh-huh. The, the, resem- the resemblance is uncanny. Yes, yes. Uh, and I, w- I would say I agree. I think I think it's going to be very hard for a lot of them to restore the kind of trust that they had in the conservative establishment, especially if every, everything that happened last January. Um, and it's more important than ever for us to be vi- you know, visible and vigilant as an alternative to all of those things taking place, you know, in, in, in integrity. Right. All right. Next one, Frank. Um, yeah, I'm 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 unable to connect to entropy right now for uh, whatever reason. So unless we have anything else in, um... well, I see some shit. In, I see some stuff in the chat. Uh, the um, I see some questions in the chat. So someone did the midterm question. Heretical acts. Okay, let's see. Yeah, I read all those. Okay, all right. <laughs> Let me uh, just take a look real quick in case we miss it. Yeah, I mean, other than uh, entropy, I think I think uh, that that was. Do you have any it. way to? Do you have any way to access entropy at all? Uh, I don't know, man. I just I'm getting like the the spinning wheel right now, so. Oh okay. Uh, I guess we'll just give it another five minutes and then or ten minutes and then we can just read them next next week or something. Yeah. Um, worst case, I mean. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so Thomas, uh, let's let's talk about a few other things here. So what sure. what, what what do you see Patriot Front's role uh, in vis-a-vis the Republican Party? Because obviously you're trying to, to 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 get some conservatives on board with you. Sure. Um, but uh, what what do you think is the um, what, what do you think it should be the messaging to these people that are in this kind of state of false consciousness? with the Republican party. Like what, what should we be openly aggressive to the GOP or should, or, or, or where do you stand on that? Yeah, I would say 
you know, um, when it comes to aggression, that should be more reserved for those in a real position of power. And right. of course, ag- aggression, <laughs> uh, aggression in a in a symbolic sense. You know, I don't obviously yes. silly, and and you would not neither. Um, no, of course not. So with the the true opposition, you know, the very oppositional attitude we need to have should be reserved for those pulling the strings, those you know pulling the levers and making these decisions that are leading along these conservatives, their followers. Um, and we should have a bit more of a, a not, not a oppositional, but a stern educational mindset towards a lot of the conservatives following along. And I think the biggest thing that we can teach them is, is to broaden their scope beyond the conventional because so many of the so many of the limitations they see on politics the same reason that they resorted to the fed accusation is because they didn't think that what we did what we are doing is possible that they didn't think that this is something that can be done in the political climate because the police wouldn't let you or you couldn't actually organize people to be this well organized And if we can smash open that idea of what's possible and this little conventional, you know, little picket fence that they've put around, you know, a certain set of you can you can be this radical. You can be you can have these many views that disagree with the government, but not one more. Right. Right. If if we can bust that open, then I think we could see, you know, something quite substantial as far as a uh, an exodus, if you will, from. The, from the you know the plantations that these people have set up for their you know their conservative uh, audiences you know their their uh, their their very willing customers almost you know conservatism has become more of a product than a uh, than anything to do with an ideology right it's right. it's something you subscribe to not something which you embody and it's also an insult to your intelligence like a lot of it is so dumb that it, it's it they they literally make things up. Half the shit you see on the Gateway Pundit is literally made up. Like, so if you're a person of even average intelligence, eventually you're going to look for something better, something that isn't insulting and embarrassing, which is what conservatism is. And I think what you said about being visible and yet keeping a bit of a distance from conservatism is important because a lot of a lot of conservatives appeal is the inability of a lot of people to imagine an alternative. A lot of people think that the world begins and ends with the Republican Party when it comes to opposition to this system, and it's simply not true. And by demonstrating a different way, showing people that that have trouble learning or or thinking about things in the abstract, and just you're able to help them visualize it by just being present, um, that will lead a lot of people to be asking questions, uh, saying like, "Hey, how come we're not like this? How come we don't look like uh, you know, like serious people? Why do we have to look like clowns while these guys look serious?" Like, so you know that that surely does have uh, an impact, I believe, and that's essentially the the undercurrent behind the Patriot Front or Fed's accusations, like. 
they understand the power of that. So they're like, no, the only way this is possible, the only way you can have a rally of this of this magnitude with this kind of messaging is if you're in the FBI. That's the only way. That's their perspective on it. And that's clearly something they're saying because they understand that visually they will fail if we put, you know, I don't, I don't like to delve into optics and so on, but, you know, if you're a guy in your early 20s and you see a bunch of boomers, uh, you know, waving signs that say, you know, abortion is the new Holocaust and, you know, going out there saying uh, uh, this is the new Jim Crow and Martin Luther King hated abortion. If you're, if you're a white male in your 20s, uh, you're just going to join Patriot Front. Like, it's just that. Well, I certainly <laughs> hope so. I certainly yeah. hope so. Yeah, and I, you're you're absolutely right. It is it is a matter of contrast and juxtaposition. Um, when, when you when you see just how different things are, and uh, even even the rank and file participants in these marches that we saw, um, you know, and this is only one kind of case study in the the political spectrum. But it was interesting, especially in Washington, because where they're standing, you know, on the street corner, and in front of us, you have the entire political spectrum arrayed, you know, not necessarily against us, but in front of us, around us, and either, you know, in all sorts of, you, you have all types of conservatives, traditionalists, um, you know, you, you have the, all of the Catholic groups, of course, you have, um, you know, various of the other types of very online conservatives, um, you know, that I won't anoint specifically uh, because uh, I don't, yes, we, we're all familiar with them. Um, you know, you have the anarchists, you have the media, you have the cops, you know, you have every single port, you know, all of it laid out there in one panoramic. Um, it was actually kind of amazing. And uh, yeah, when you, and, and especially, and I hope those people, you know, saw just how rabid, you know, these, these, uh, these opposition members were towards us. And I hope that they also, well, I, I kind of hope that they didn't actually, but you know, I was walking around the city beforehand, and I mentioned this last night, and, the, and these anarchists were putting up posters on how to self-administer abortions, you know, directed at, oh. at young women. You know, and I, I'm not even going to go into detail further than that, but I mean, the, the disgusting quality to that, um, you know, where, where thousands of families and young, you know, young people would be walking through seeing this sort of stuff. So I, their just disgusting nature should make the difference so much greater, and, and it, you know, the, the job, the best thing that a young man can do in today's America is to throw his lot in with change, to take a stand for something that he believes in, to have this sort of spiritual quality, this passion for, um, you know, for revolution, for change, to serve his people. Because no one else anywhere is going to offer you that, right? What we are creating here, not only in the, you know, in, in some places in the broader, you know, movement, as you could call it, um, but, you know, specifically in Patriot Front, you know, we are offering a space where we can actually value you on your work and on your qualities and on your virtues, right? Um, you know, the nation is made up of men and men are made up of virtues and we try to draw attention to those we recognize those we reward those and we intend to create spaces which can only result in the creation of that virtue um and i i, th I think you know it's really been amazing seeing just how how much guys have grown um, within the organization, not only in their ability to pursue positions of leadership or in their ability to be bold. You know, it's one thing to see a young guy 
and you know you go through his interview or you you get to know him and he does little things but then you know taking a young guy who would have never dreamed of doing anything like that and then setting him up against you know the entire dc metro police department all of these screeching anarchists few as they are uh and you know helicopters flying overhead and seeing that he's he is unfazed he is steeled to his purpose that is amazing because where else are you going to get that Right, and uh, I don't know about you, but have you noticed that the uh, that the anarchists who appear to have hit a kind of zenith in 2020 during the riots, um, they seem to have kind of vanished from public life. I mean, they're still around, but there's a lot fewer of them, isn't there? Yes, I, I would say that it is very interesting to contrast their online presence from their physical presence. There's certainly a, a big difference, and I think... That has that is um, it's it's spurred a sort of viciousness and a sort of you know spitefulness in them. That is a you know it is a, simply an addition to their litany of unhealthy social habits and um, you know afflictions. And I think it's uh, it's been very interesting to see that in spite of all their rhetoric online and all of their you know their twittering. That in once, you know, once we hit the ground, once we're on the move, um, you know, when when our columns and our ranks are set, all they can do is scream because once intimidation is exhausted, once they find out and they discover that they can't scare us, you know, with their with all their tweeting, all they have left is mockery. Right. All they have left is trying to make fun of us. But I mean. It's really it's really hard to make fun of us when you yourself look like a look like a clown. You know, they're standing there, you know, screeching, you know, with their eyes bloodshot. You saw the video. The guy the guy had this tiny little megaphone and his hand was shaking so much, you know, you could hear it in the audio. Um, You know, like they're they're caricatures of themselves. And but I I was speaking more so they're they're still around on the Internet for sure. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to a physical presence. Yeah. Um, they there seems to be a lot fewer of them. It seems to be going back to what Antifa was before Donald Trump got elected, which was like mm-hmm. a couple of dozen of real freaks. And my fear yeah. with them actually is that as they become irrelevant, and they have to a large extent, but as they further become irrelevant, they're going to get just like in the 1960s and 70s, they, they may get actually more violent. And so there's going to be fewer of them. But we saw like in the 1960s how the uh, the new left, the kind of Antifa of its time, kind of fell out of favor by the 70s and then kind of turned into the weather underground, mm-hmm. which was an open terrorist group. And so my my only concern with them is that they're going to become this kind of extremely violent but very small um kind of uh, uh, cult or movement, whatever you want to call it. But uh, they they really have lost a lot of steam since Biden got elected. Part of that, I think, is also that the Democrats are putting the Department of Justice on them a little harder because it's one thing to go out and fight fascists and Nazis, as they call it, and white populism in the street to violently suppress it on behalf of the system. It's another thing to interrupt liberals during brunch in Portland and Seattle. No, you, so, can't do that. Uh, you can't do that. And so now that the uh, kind of white populist street movement has stopped going out to a large extent, liberals are like, okay, these Antifa are just a, a problem now. And so you do see some, 
Now, of course, they get a slap on the wrist, but you can tell that the feds and the DOJ are uh, treating them a little harder, spying on them a little more. And, and it shows you how little heart they have in their cause that it terrifies all of them and they quit to a large mm -hmm. extent. There are some on the Internet. They're very active. But um, the average Antifa has more or less gotten back to their lives, you know, gotten back to back to back to the uh, regularly scheduled program of drinking craft beer and uh, whatever else stupid bug man shit they do. So um, sure. uh, do you think that they could come back? I mean, we're going to be a big movement again in the next couple of years. It's inevitable that we are going to be leading this big movement. Um, so do you think that they'll come back and in what form? Well, uh, my hope is certainly that every single one of them down to the last man, woman, or whatever lies in between <laughs> in their eyes is, is just, uh, just, you know, packs, packs up shop and goes back to, like you said, their craft beers and, uh, whatever else they have. I don't know how they live and I don't really care to, um, the, the details don't concern me, but I, I hope I hope they do all give up. Like you said, I think the world would be a much better place. Um, maybe they have something better to do. But uh, what what could happen? What could happen if not that? And of course, we can dream. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think I think your assessment of the changes in you know the administration are going to reflect a lot of the changes in what we see as this movement because you know their movement is is of course it's organized but it you know it's decentralized in other ways and it's a lot more reliant on the ebbs and flows of um of public public concern and consciousness and opinion so as the administrations perhaps find them more or less valuable or effective as tools then uh then then they might they might you know, be pushed into something else, you know, that that uh, that is truly oppositional on all sides to everybody and everything, you know, purely destructive, as you said, violent and incoherent and destructive. But just as well, it could p patter out into nothing in particular. Yeah. So, OK, we have another one here. Uh, another question. A few seconds ago, anyone saying oh, is from a few seconds ago. Anyone saying Patriot Front is nothing more than a Fed op has zero backbone. Keep up the good work, PF and NJP. I look forward to seeing both of your organizations' future activism. Thanks. Thank you, DE12. Uh, yes, great, great comment. DD12 uh, is the best. Frank, any any news on entropy? Yes, yes, it just it oh. literally just popped up. <laughs> All right, uh, looks like there's two here. Um, uh, we got 15 from uh, Johnny Javelin. Uh, he says, Hail Borzoi and Striker, hashtag remember. Ah, yes, remember. Yes, you know what that's at. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that possibly next week, but uh, yes. <laughs> uh, today, of course, is Hol Holocaust Remembrance Day. Oh, God. And uh, they had in the White House, they had a survivor. Claims to have, this is her story, Bronia... Brandman, and oh, she told her story about uh, surviving Auschwitz, where she tricked the Nazis by she she was set on the uh, on the gas chamber line, but then she apparently went and cut the other line, <laughs> and uh, and the Nazis just didn't see it coming. Then she was diagnosed with typhus and was in a coma, and the Nazis who five minutes before were trying to gas her, uh, put her in a hospital to save her life while she was in a coma. 
which contradicts the, the, the idea that the Nazis gassed everyone who couldn't work. Uh, because obviously someone in a coma cannot work, but uh, in uh, Bronia Brandman's case, uh, that seems to uh, these these uh, these aspects of that story don't seem to have um, affected her uh, her tenure, her days in Auschwitz. So, uh, yeah, just something to think about. Um, anyway, next one. Oh my God! All right. Uh- what is this next one? Uh, Flying Dutchman. Flying Dutchman. Um, he sends the um, smiley emoji with the sunglasses and donates 25. So thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Dutchman. There you go. Any, anything else? Uh, that was it from Entropy. Oh, All righty. Yeah. Oh, did, did we get? Did we get? Um, yeah, no, we, we got the last uh, Odyssey one, right? No, no, we have... Um, um, bucket groper, and he says, oh boy. <laughs> "He says, well, let's just see where this goes. Gropers are gay and retarded. Fuck them. Oh. So, you know, hard, hard agree, but I, I think <laughs> that little, was, yeah. I, I think that was the last one. Let me just yeah. say one thing about. Uh, I'll just come out and say it. Uh, the thing with the with the Nick Fuentes crowd and all that, you got to remember, they thrive off attention, negative or positive. So when you, even when you, I, I understand people don't like them and so on, but always keep in mind that when you give them attention in any form, they they see it as a win. Yeah. So if you really want to, you know, again, there there are some hidden politics behind the the fake rise of this movement. Uh, and there's a lot of money people behind it. Like, there's wealthy money people with bad intentions behind it. So all you can do, there's nothing you can say or do to make them go away. They're running off of pure wealth and money from these donors. And so all you can do really is just ignore them and keep some distance between yourself and them. Uh, eventually, the money people that are astroturfing them, and yes, they are being astroturfed all across. You can't possibly think that Paul Gosar is going to commit career suicide by associating with them without someone behind the scenes uh, giving him guarantees and possibly other things. Um, so just keep in mind that it's pretty much a fake movement, and uh, and that's why they go around calling other people a fake movement. They're like, okay, we know we're a fake movement, so we're going to make that accusation about you. Um, so... The way you can tell if someone is real or not is by looking at them and seeing who they're calling feds. Um, but either way, just ignore them. Do not engage them. Block them on site. Don't talk to them. Fucking, you know, again, it's just it's self-explanatory. You know, they're, they're not a political threat to us. They are doing their own thing. They may talk shit about us, but who cares? Stay out of the Internet drama. Stick to uh, stick to politics stick to ideas remember small minds talk about personalities great minds talk about ideas so be the great mind talk about ideas and and doing the doing the work that we need to do to win this this uh this political battle um that's all i'll say about that um so anyway uh anything else thomas plug your stuff sure sure 
So uh, if anybody is interested in uh, seeing more about the organization or more about our recent actions, uh, you are encouraged to go to patriotfront.us. We have just recently uploaded videos on Odyssey and BitChute. Uh, we have all of our socials linked at the very bottom of our website, and we do keep very many things up to date. I would say one of our most up-to-date platforms uh, would be Telegram and Gab. We are on Gab at, at Patriot Front and Telegram at Patriot Front Updates. And if you do end up having any questions or concerns that can be addressed, obviously there are quite a few things which cannot be publicly addressed or, you know, addressed to people not in the organization. Um, you can send a contact request form on the website uh, or you can message us on Gab. Gab has a messaging function if you have an account there. So uh, we do appreciate people uh, viewing our things. We do appreciate people who come to our uh, to our to our message and, and see our work with an understanding um, of what we do and why we do it. You know, again, as we stated, regardless of what your specific opinions are, well, again, we hope it is supportive. We hope people will get involved. I think some of the best activists that we will ever have are joining us at this very time, and I do hope that some of some of these listeners may be among them. And uh, it's you know it's been great to it's been great to be able to talk to you all again today. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, likewise, uh, we'll have you on in the future again uh, after you guys do more events. And again, I was very impressed that under all that pressure, you guys still did your events as planned. It didn't impact you at all. You are impermeable to these kinds of attacks. That's very impressive. And uh, hopefully, others take inspiration from that kind of discipline and will. Um, so anyway, um, if, unless there's anything else, Frank, on the menu, let's get out of here. All right. Looks good. Have a good night, guys. Alrighty. Take care. You guys are out.